the more interesting thing is we haven't heard any word on the decline about uh, Wildcat's biggest shareholder, Minreza's um, intentions with respect to the raise, who was recently welcomed, and I'll say that in inverted quotation marks. They were welcomed, and then and then they voted. They ultimately voted against the issue of options. Right, and g'day, money miners, 9th of November, and haven't we got a bloody surprise today? Besides the riveting mining news, Trav, Ali GC is back in the house. Back in the house. Oh, she's been in the house, but <laughs> like back on the, uh, reminded herself how much she bloody knows about finance uh. <laughs> uh, and kind of be a key contributor to today's episode. GC, thanks for, uh, thanks for. Showing no. up on this side. No, thank you. I mean, we've got some exciting stuff today, Maddie. So keen to get into it. Right, hey, let's rip into it. So we've got a bit of a preamble on the upcoming AGMs, which are usually held at the CWA, aren't they? So scones, jam, and cream on offer, but possibly mm. in addition to those beautiful scones, there might be some juicy content coming out of the AGM as well. Maybe some shareholder activism, Trav. Act- yeah, we hope so. <laughs> oh, yeah. Last last general meeting we attended, we bloody. Oof. I think you love activism Mate, as it. much as I love vaping. <laughs> I'd say, Trav, that's that's probably on par, right? Eh? I need to get my fix. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, we're also got uh, old Wildcat shaking the tin today wow. for eighty million bricks, and uh, that's going to be interesting to see what happens after that. And we've also got a si- bit of news on our great dear friends of the show, Sayona, and a bit of rapid fire to finish off. Exciting to have you here, Ali GC. And, mate, money of mine, people, the event, all this little Stop extra stuff. Stop asking me for tickets. There isn't any tickets left. There's mate, no hats left. There's no tickets left. Mate, we'd like to thank Ali because <laughs> all this stuff, that's all this cream that's been putting on top of money of mine these days is all coming from her. Oh, so thanks, the, mate. the absolute elevation in the, uh, in the podcast, you've been a bloody – Pretty much the reason for it, I reckon. Oh, <laughs> Did you use Love the word it. elevation there to intentionally segue to the next thing, Maddie? What a perfect <laughs> way to introduce our partners at Brooks Airways, Trav. Oh, Trav. Mate, oh no, don't I'm doing sponsorship, you're doing research. Don't try and compete with me because <laughs> you know you can't be – you want to be the best at everything. I'm picking up on the segues. I'm like, I'm, you don't normally use the word elevation. There's something going on here. <laughs> I don't, something I don't going on. think that was the right word to use. But, uh, <laughs> mate, let's – we, we – we, they just partnered up with us this week. Brooks Airways, you might know them for their more the the brand for the the big machinery high things that you see pretty much on every, in every industrial area in bloody Western Australia. But they've also got Brooks Airways. And, mate, before we get into it, fun statistic for you and the money miners. I'd love to know. Tell Do us. you know that statistically more, <laughs> pla- more planes have taken off than landed in history? Wow. <laughs> That, that makes sense, statistically and, speaking. And it is a great <laughs> great little fact to share when you're on a plane with someone and they're having a bit of a panic attack because they don't fly, don't <laughs> like flying. So I like to – so, no, mate, to my knowledge, and I can pretty much put a rubber stamp on this, Brooks Airways have achieved a 100% landing rate. Very impressive. Brilliant. 100%. They're beating the global average. 
That's phenomenal. That's that is that is phenomenal, mate. It's spearheaded by Stewie Brooks. We'll chuck a <laughs> chuck a photo of the big fella up here, mate. This guy's an absolute aeronautical prodigy, mate. He was yeah. working on planes when he was thirteen. Can you imagine being on a plane and seeing so looking some thirteen year old turning spanners and then <laughs> just giving you the thumbs up? Yeah, she's good to go, mate. It's like the so Tiger Woods of uh, aeronautical he, profession. He mate. comes across that way. So now, and I've actually come across this video. I think this guy's a bit of a, and it relates to the aviation industry. I think he's a bit of a, a bit of a long distance relative of Stewie or something. Have a have a look at this. Baba is launching an unbelievable transatlantic deal. The day I announced the launch <laughs> of the fly low, one pound flight to New York. Yes, you heard that. That's Stewie. One pound to New York City. It's more booking fee of one hundred eighty pounds. Oh my barber! Well, what did he say? Four hundred and fifty pound booking fee. <laughs> <laughs> mate, I can tell you, no unexpected booking fees at Brooks Airways. But say, right, Brooks, mate, seven turboprop King Airs. Have a look at the fine piece of machinery. Have a have a look at them. Wow. wow. What a look bloody paint job they've got. And look at the in, the interior decor. Absolutely beautiful. Now, I've been told turboprops. Safety record globally. They they got two engines, so that's that's a plus. Well, that's extra. Nothing like a good bit of redundancy. You want a bit of backup. Much less moving parts than a piston plane. They're they're considered to be the Toyota 200 series Land Cruiser of the air. Just just go forever by reputation. So <laughs> perfect plane to fly into unsealed airstrips within the WA mining industry because as oh, we, yeah. as we know, most mining clients are too tight to put. Bitumen down. <laughs> so that's where, like, Brooks are leveraging off the tight arseness of these mining companies. So, look, and here's the thing I like. They own the planes. They yep. employ the pli- uh, pilots. Yep. And they maintain them internally Internally, because if I, if I wanted, like, attention to detail to be put towards anything that my life is involved in, I'd probably want it on the planes. Is it Stewie himself, you know, dialing back the clock a little bit? I'd say he's and met, like, from his from his teenage um, aeronautical maintenance years, I, I think he's, like, mentoring the next generation. Love of, that. Like, aer- aeronautical engineers, um, which which would be the wise thing to do, to sort of pass the baton on. To the next generation. To the next generation of Brooks aeronautical engineers. So, mate, because no one treats anything someone else's thing as good as they treat their own. <laughs> Absolutely. And I like that attention, that sort of Sigma 6 level of attention to detail to oh. aeronautical maintenance. And just to top it off, have a look at this. You can even sit down in their terminal. Oh, Ooh. look at this, You mate. don't have to sit out the front Very and schmick. chug on a dart while the bloody plane rocks up. Wow. So it's like, look at that. So money miners, any money miners that write the checks out there, call 1300 Airways to hire a plane. And, mate, as we said, these planes can pretty much land on the shittest runway in WA. So if you've got a real shit runway, call mm. Brooks. Yeah. Or, they, or if you're pissed off at Qantas at stupid prices, call Brooks. Call Stewie. <laughs> call, call Stewie. Mate, you want to get to Cal a bit cheaper? Can't say it might happen, but call 1300 Airways <laughs> if you want to if you want to find out if you can. Now, our other great friends at all, oh, going to their little cocktail party this afternoon. Got your bloody suit hanging off the light here. You walked in with it. Yeah, a blazer and a, and a YD little like 
case. I'm yeah, like, I know. Well, I, I didn't Googled, know you owned one of them. I, I Googled <laughs> cocktail party and it had heaps of people in bloody fancy suits and shit. And I'm like, right, I better bring me suit in. So I've got to go hop in the telephone box and put me bloody, uh, put the suit on after this. You're so, still not going to look as good in your suit as these two guys though. Have a no. look at these good looking Jeez. roosters. Michael and Zab from JP Search. The the search gurus, I would call them the Google of the financial recruitment industry. When when you need when you need something, you, you just, just type just in ask. worker and like you just get a result. Yeah, like it's it's like Google, probably even a bit quicker. Yeah. Now, look, well, I, th- I like I like the idea of them being more like ChatGPT mm. does the work for you, but updated daily. Yeah, you know, ChatGPT yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of going off still twenty twenty one stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. JP Search is sort of the next level of financial AI recruitment. But and like because you look at him, we like you know we talked about. Bondy yesterday in his photo. You look at these guys like they doesn't that feel welcoming? Like what? What do you take from that picture of those two? Feels it, me with confidence. It, it does fill you with confidence, isn't it? It feels like they they know the best jobs for me. Yeah. Before I know myself. Well, and I found that like another recruiter, and this is what this recruiter here says is sort of how these guys make me feel. Well, I think the difference between a good recruiter and a bad recruiter is probably. Patience. I stay calm no matter what. <laughs> that picture wreaks calmness of me. Do you th- <laughs> to Michael and Zav. Like, calm Patience? individuals. Patience, Patience. Calmness. Execution. Yeah. Mate, so we're going into – let's bring out the classifieds is what they say. Like, it's like the trading post <laughs> off the castle. Yeah. This is what they got on the go, mate. Yeah. They've actually got a job going at Alcoa, global strategy role. So they're looking for like ex-management consultants. It's Perth-based. You don't have to drive to bloody Pinjara. You're not on site in high-vis all day. You, nice. So that, that's a win. Uh, now they've also got BD analysts or senior roles, 150 to 170 plus super. Plus super, not bad. You, gee, so you can filter through these, tell me which ones you, you like. Looking for big four M&A. Uh, ex- experience in there, boutique investment good. bankers, investment analysts, 130 to 180. Geez, you want to barter that 180. Um, again, <laughs> big four. M&A. I love when they give you a range, right? Yeah. Like, well, I want the top I'm not gonna, one. I'm I not. want the top one. <laughs> another investment analyst, another investment analyst. Uh, look, BD analyst or senior, 130, 150 plus super. Uh, now, this is the one I like. This is a bit of left field. Head of accounting. But you know why I like it? It's a big bloody company. Circa 300 plus super. <laughs> now we're talking, boys. You're going to have to learn some accounting skills, mate. Do you know how to read a balance sheet? Oh, no. Oh, Debits right. and your credits. <laughs> hey, how good of my habit to have in the office, but like, morale. 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 I can run their sponsorship for them. Mate, yep. so pretty much for all those roles, big four M&A experience, working for fa- family offices, investment banking background. If you're in any of those roles, look for a change. I've got their LinkedIn uh, face, LinkedIn pages linked in the show notes. Uh, just click on there, message them. And get into their DMs if you, and if get you yourself hit a job. up the Google financial recruitment artificial intelligence gurus. <laughs> tell Anything them. in that finance niche. Tell them they look good. Tell them they look good. <laughs> tell them they're patient. <laughs> <laughs> Righto, lovely. Thanks, JP Search and Brooks Airways for supporting the bloody potty. Love your work. Now, Trav, in just on reflection of your little deep dive into Mayor Resources, 
yesterday. My little key thing that the thing that popped up to my attention. How did you how did you become aware of this one, Maddie? Oh, it's someone actually messaged it to me because ah. <laughs> I bloody uh, say this is all the the attentions on the sponsorship and I've, I've, I didn't look through the corporate directory. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know who this bloke is? I didn't until you told me today. This you could have shown me that photo and, and I'd be like, James what, Bond, I don't know. It like. makes sense while I saw that bloody walking out of Imark. Darren Lockyer, one of the greatest rugby league players of all time, is uh, on as a – like a, a not an ambassador, I think. Forget the actual title, what managing just, affairs um, for Mayor Resources because uh, PNG is one of the most rugby league fanatical uh, – countries in the world are absolutely fanatical. So he's working with Maya to obviously for the community side of things. Head Uh, of business affairs. Head of business affairs. So, mate, there you go. I'm not even – and that's where money and mine's got to. I don't don't even know if I'd have a celebrity on to come talk their own company. (laughs) (laughs) I was just thinking, mate, how the tables have turned, right? Like – I'm sure Darren Lockyer is watching this episode. And, well, he's and a Queenslander and I'm a New South Welshman, so I probably yeah. wouldn't have him on anyway. Yeah, <laughs> so. but he'd be watching this and um, he'd be looking up to you as a celebrity now, mate. Yeah, he'd, yeah. Probably, he'd probably call me <laughs> soon. <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 him and a heap of other Queensland people ruined my life for a decade uh, in the state of origin. So, yeah, all no favours coming from me, Lockie. Right, crew, what's going on? I can't it's believe November. it, but it, it's November and – it's it's that time of the year where corporate Australia really starts to gear up for AGM or annual general meeting season, and I love it. And money of mine, the corporate calendar is looking very chock-a-block with a lot of the uh, very hotly anticipated AGMs of the season. Yeah, the November AGM season, our plate calendar's chock-a-block, but our Christmas party uh, calendar is not looking chock-a-block, Ali. I'm still waiting for those invitations to roll in. Oh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want them. Bloody too much socialising in your life these days. Yeah. J, but, JD will fly the flag for yeah. us. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be he fine with that it. Shit. Yeah. And so I think probably in the next couple of weeks we might do a, uh, a roaming BT-style AGM Bonanza episode or something, so keep an eye out for that, money miners. But, guys, the thing I love – about AGM season is seeing all these boomers come out of hibernation and because they've got so much spare time, they go drive themselves around West Perth, CBD, Subiaco to physically attend these AGMs uh, of companies that they hold shares in. It's like the bloody grey nomads, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, it is. And I would have thought by now like the Australian Shareholders Association, something like that, would have some sort of cap bus or party bus type <laughs> arrangement to take them all around everywhere. So um, we're, we're waiting to hear ASA. would be keen to say it. Hallie, have you looked at the proportion of our audience that is above the age of um, 60? There's a few of them. There's a few of them. So before There's we party, tell them they need to be in a retirement home. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, boomers. <laughs> but I have to say, um, as a young investment banker, one of the absolute highlights of my career is going to a really good AGM. And what is a good AGM? It's when you get one of those really old grandmas or grandpas raise their walking stick when the chair says, any questions, anybody? And they stand up, they shake their fists like (laughs) Grandpa Simpson and absolutely give the MD an earful about what they think about the company and them. And it is democracy (laughs) at its finest. Yeah. I just bloody love it. But oh, God, I need to say oh, that. Big geez. believer in the in-person AGM because 
you know, when else can you actually do that, right? No. What What other time of the year do you have an opportunity to go face to face with the person who's running the whole joint? Um, it's awesome. If the and if the company you're invested in is only doing a virtual AGM, boo. Those shares suck. (laughs) (laughs) But the other key thing about this time of year as well, um, or November or even you stretching out to maybe the first week of December, if you're an ASX listed company and you want to get an important deal done and announced before Christmas, you've got four weeks left to do it. I mean, technically there's six weeks till Christmas, but anyone who's important, like money of mine, won't give a shit if it's after the 8th of December. (laughs) Oh, we're in um, that final week of Money of Mine's just going to be highlight videos. Yeah. I mean, yeah we're in basically. Awards. 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 And we'll be uh, emptying that fridge behind yeah. us. So it's like, yeah, that's going to be fun. That, that will be, be fun. A, that's going to be an Uber every day, I think. Yeah, <laughs> might, I think so. You might want to work five days a week that week. Yeah, that <laughs> might be a good one to do. Right, oh, yeah. let's get on to the old crazy feline. Wow, Cat WC8 absolutely shaking the crap out of the tin today for 80 million bricks to uh, fund further exploration and a few other little key line items that I'm sure you're going to go into. Take it away, yeah, so gurus. The uh, Wildcat went into trading halt today pending a capital raising. Interestingly, the details or the key details of the raising were actually on the second page of the trading halt announcement. We'll just um, flash up a little screen grab there. You don't normally see that yeah, yeah, in a, in that a release, too, yeah. so that was quite – Quite interesting there. Well, not not in the last six months that I've been looking at announcements every day for yeah. a podcast, but yeah. It is, yeah, certainly on the more un- unusual side, but good to know. So what does that say? That's eight, It's an 80 million placement, 76 uh, cents per share with the ability to accept overs of up to an additional 20 million and the JLM's uh, can accord and yours Hartley's on this one. So Wildcat had just shy of nine mil in the bank at the end of September. So assuming they do take the overs, which I imagine they probably would, um, you'll have a <laughs> pre-resource lithium exploration company with over $100 million in the bank. Mm. Wow. Jeez, nice and uh, exploration bulletproof there. Yeah, essentially, yeah. So 76 uh, cents a share, that's all very sort of within the standard 10 to 15% discounts to pricing metrics we we see all the time. Ellie, I'm curious on the on that structuring there. I mean, you, you're an absolute ECM guru. I don't know anyone um, your age that's like literally, you know, spearheaded more ECM transactions than you <laughs> Um, Same reason you got a job here, Alex. <laughs> strict, <laughs> strict filtering process strict we, we went through. Uh, <laughs> so, so, like, the structure of 80 plus 20 mil uh, over, it's like, why do, you, why do you structure it that way? Yeah, so more often than not, there's two reasons you do it that way. The first reason is that that base number, so in this example of 80 million, that's what you need slash want. Um, and you're pretty confident that you're going to get there, but you include that and ability to take overs sort of comment or clause in just to give yourself the flexibility to take uh, some more money or upsize the deal um, if required or if you want to. And a lot of that is dependent on the volume of bids that come in the book, but probably more importantly, the quality of bids that come through and trying to, you know, accommodate long only on institutions and things like that. If they if they take the overs, they um, so if it goes in at ninety eight or whatever total total bid side, so there's still no scale back 
or anything? Everyone should get a full allocation or? Oh, it depends what they want to rate. Yeah, if they just keep it at 80 and they pair it back to 80 still, if they get 300 million in bids and they pair it back to 100, it all really depends where can it they, Can they up. get like that much interest in something oh, like shit, this? Yeah. Like you can, so you can get 300 million in you bids. Can get, you could get multiple times coverage in bids come through, but ultimately you don't have to obviously allocate those. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, and that's that's certainly a quality problem to have. Um, but the second reason, which uh, why you perhaps structure in that way, is you absolutely know you're going to get way over a hundred million dollars worth of bids and knocked over in the rush. But you structure it in parts because then you can say we took the oversubscriptions, and you look really really smart. <laughs> and I think, given the demand for lithium, and particularly this company, I think Wildcat probably falls in the in the latter and category. And this, this region. Yeah. And so this region in more mm. generally. So but it's, it's, it could be an optics thing. Very much, yeah, yeah, more of a strategic optics thing. Um, so that's usually the two reasons why you do it in that way. If, if they didn't have that, um, that 20 million overs noted in there, they're capped at 80 and doesn't matter what comes in, you have to scale the book back and you cannot take more uh, than 80? More How of, does it work? More often than not, um, you'd usually stick to that, but there's nothing other than really your place comp- capacity well, and yeah. your the optics that you can actually go out and take more, but you have to go and reach out back to those investors and say, look, we're, we, we'd like to upsize to X. Are you okay? Um to still have your bid in the book on these yeah. revised terms. So it's just easier this way because you've already flagged that to um, prospective investors that is you that, might do that. Is that that placement capacity, does that reset at the end of each financial year? So the 15%, which is your listing rule 7.1, that refreshes uh, annually. And then your 10%, 7.1A, you approve that at your AGM every year and it lasts for 12 months. Is it So is it calendar year or financial year when it resets? The AGM uh, calendar. The AGM, oh, the AG, yeah. AGM calendar. Yeah, yeah ah, so that okay. could be different for everybody really. You can also ratify it um, at general meetings as they come around too. Yeah. yeah, I've got a fun fact for you on that placement capacity stuff. Maddie relates to Ali. <laughs> You know, thing I know this, you know story. I know I this story. So back when I was a little ticker tacker um, in my – like first, I don't know, few months, um, investment banking. I was put on, you know, my, f- my first ever ECM deal to raise money for a, um, a certain mining company. And um, I blame Ali for not enough oversight. On this <laughs> one. But I accepted, <laughs> I basically accepted bids from uh, more people than um, you were legally allowed to issue stock for. Because the company's placement capacity, the extra little Didn't bit, the 7.1A, had expired because the AGM was postponed because uh, of COVID. Um, so that was an awkward thing to have to uh, restructure a deal. That was a deal. carton. That was that was that was definitely a carton or two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. So what what else can we um, sort of take out of this um, this placement structure, GC? Yeah. So you can. Sort of uh, look at the how it's been structured at a, as a single tranche placement. So that's uh, essentially when you're using your your placement capacity, whether that be your seven point one and seven point one a. I think in this scenario, it's just the seven point one. Why do we actually care? Um, this can sort of give you a little bit of a hint on potential placement participants. So directors of a company can't participate 
in its own placement unless their participation is approved by shareholders. Now, based on the placement structure as we understand it, it doesn't appear that Wildcat directors will be participating in that round, but we will have to wait until we see uh, the placement completion announcement to know for sure. But at first glance, doesn't appear that way. So does that have to be – are you saying they have to issue the second tranche of um, of shares that have to be shareholder approved for the directors to p- participate in them or they have to – if they want to participate in the 7.1, they have to have that shareholder approved? It's just essentially any, any, any participation. participation their participation wouldn't um, use up that capacity. It's just any participation by directors would need to be approved by and shareholders. And that's where we see those notice of general meeting or whatever is yes. for the purpose – to, for shareholders to approve things like that. Yeah. That's right. Bucks, if I handy having an ear, I try. Handy. <laughs> Tell you what. And then, but the other thing, which is probably the more interesting thing, is we haven't heard any word on the decline about uh, Wildcat's biggest shareholder, Minrez's um, intentions with respect to the raise, who was recently welcomed, and I'll say that in inverted uh, quotation marks as their newest uh, largest shareholder holding uh, just shy of uh, 19.9% of Wildcat pre-raise. And w- they were welcomed, welcomed and then and then they voted ag- they ultimately voted against the uh, the issue of options to was it Alex, Alex Hewlett. Hewlett yeah yeah in that in that notice of meeting the finders fee yes yeah. oh introduction fee yeah. uh, I think it would make sense for Chris to maintain his position here. He's pro rata. So um, be interesting to see what colour we get given on that uh, once the placement does wrap up. So, God, if you add up, yeah. if you add up Min Resins and Gina's 20% stakes in everything, they pretty much own two or three lithium companies probably. I was going to say, <laughs> you remember the other day we were talking about the bonds, the the US $1.1 billion bonds? Like, oh, not Jeremy Bond. No, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> not the I other to the numbers on how much of that's actually now being deployed in um, – Oh, oh, with no, all the shareholdings and everything, a yeah. bit of dribs and drabs. Yeah. They're right. So 80, 80 to 100 million. Um, yeah, they're essentially bulletproofing them for a while. Yeah, like, look, no, if you put right. it in, let's put it in comparison, like you think of Spartan when Gascoigne, when they recapped, I think they had about 60 million in the kitty and they've, you know, what have they got, like five or six drill rigs going. So flying, 80, yeah. 80 to 100 million um, worth of expiration to pump in. They're going to have a lot of rigs spinning up there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the key thing I want to call out is, um, according to Street Talk, uh, there's a mention of uh, what well, was one of the use of funds: drilling, exploration, resource development, and business development at Tabba Tabba. <laughs> business development, Maddie, is that catching up with me at Mayfair for a bit <laughs> or something like that? Well, I think <laughs> other people have different uses of the word business development, <laughs> but. You never know, mate. <laughs> exploration yeah. companies. <laughs> yeah, well, so, and permitting and studies and exploration. And all and the rest. Projects. Yeah. Anyway, very. What do, you, what do you read into that, Al, business development? You, you rarely see that in a use of funds. Sometimes you see corporate op- valuation of corporate opportunities, which means we're looking at M&A, but business development, what does that mean? Yeah. I mean, it's just, and, and, the, and the guys often feature this this little screen grab, which we'll show here, of well, where does Tabot, Tabot actually sit in the context of the Pilbara? You can see um, Minrez's 50% on Wadjana's around 90Ks away. Uh, it's about 50Ks from Pilbara's Pilgangora mine. And even, uh, was, you can't quite see it on this map, but around 200 kilometres away from Azilla's Andover project, which um, Minrez and, or sorry, Christina, Christina, Christina have a bit of a tie up in there with, with SQM. So 
will we see another Andover style lithium menage a trois? Well, you look at you look at what's happening up that way. That that area is God. It's starting to pump a few deposits. You, you originally had Wajina and Pilgangora. Now we've got you got Andover coming. That's pretty well progressed towards their made of mineral resource. You got Wildcat bloody in the scheme now. What a what a hub of lithium projects that that is becoming. But will Pilgangora? become part of that hub under the umbrella. Who knows? It's just everyone seems to be having throwing their weight into this discussion. Mm. Very, very exciting stuff. What do you think? Uh, some sort of type's got to be happening there, surely. Yeah, I, I, like, like, yeah, I don't know, mate. I don't know. I feel like you get told a million different things and they all conflict with each other. And it's kind of hard to like decipher what's real and what's not. What do you think? Oh, well, based on word on the decline. <laughs> but it does but it does make sense that that whole region that's just that's a bit of a lithium hub, but it's in and around all the iron ore as well in the Pilbara and the big majors up there. So probably probably a long 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 term thing that all of this would be under the umbrella One of someone umbrella. Uh, someone like a Rio Tinto or something like well into the future. So anyway, the podcast will be still going to uh, validate <laughs> validate that in the future. Should be still going. Hopefully. We're making money now, so we're, um, <laughs> me and Trav are best mates. <laughs> I could do this Love with it. you forever, Trav. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, any other takeaways? Well, I think, look, they raise a huge chunk of money at near all-time share price highs for, for Wildcat and they're throwing the kitchen sink and bloody everything else at uncovering what is the full extent and potential at Tabba Tabba. So Wildcat team, I tip my hat off to you. Well done. But also as, you know, I love fun project and prospect names. So I'm waiting to hear when you guys find some more ones like a Sabre or a Vader or a Yoda or something like that. I'm very, uh, I'm looking forward to that too. (laughs) (laughs) Sabre as in the actual Sabre that's up there. No, there is actually a cyber. Oh, there is a cyber. There's a cyber resources <laughs> next five k's from. Oh, Andover. cyber resources. No, no, I'm talking light cyber. <laughs> oh, oh, light cyber. Uh, right, love your work, guys. Next up, S Y A. Say owner. God, these are um, dreaded words to read sometimes. Strategic review and operational update. <laughs> What, we, what was our takeaway is there under, ever a under real, phrase? Is there ever a real good one of them that comes out? Not really. No. Nah. <laughs> Maybe if the strategic review was in relation to your non-core project and you sold it yeah. for a lot of money, but no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, oh, mate, the big strategic review word, like um, that that phrase, I think we even used that in our deciphering quarterly sort, sort of series to the translation for strategic review is – Sale process. process. I actually think it's not in this case, which is um, the exception, not the rule. And there's also a bit of deja vu to this uh, this story, which I'll get to shortly. I, I, I appreciate when you wrote deja vu there, you use the accents on <laughs> that, the letters there. That was, was that automated? Absolutely autocorrected. There you go. <laughs> Very French, regarding that. <laughs> uh, so, but like you know, regardless if it's a uh, when it's used to the sale process or not, it's, it's certainly an admission that operations are not like going or performing as hoped. And in this case, 
we see Sayon as interim CEO and board. They visited NEL, the North American Lithium uh, Project, and they've approved a five-pillar strategy, which is consulting jargon for we're trying to fix this shit. <laughs> Straight out of McKinsey, that one. <laughs> uh, let's, look at, let's look at the key takeaways from this update from Sayona today. On the operations front, here's a phrase for you. Strong focus on cost management and resolving process limitations. So I'll put the cost management piece aside for the moment and focus on the process limitations. What are they? One, they they talk about throughput being bottlenecked by the crushing circuit. And secondly, there's some also some commentary in there about optimizing recoveries. And here's the deja vu piece of the story. Back in 2014, when this operation was owned by RB Energy and they were experiencing commissioning issues during ramp up, what did they talk about? Improving recoveries and debottlenecking volumes. Ooh, so that strange. must that must be a I don't know if that's a that must be a, a rock hardness <laughs> issue. Like no. if, if the cru- if the crushing is the D what well, bottleneck. Uh well like he, he, put put this or whole story aside. Put this whole story aside, right? And talk about in general when like you have an operation that might even have a geology issue, what do you talk about? You never talk about the geology issue. You talk about improving optimizing recoveries and debottlenecking product production they're the two levers you can talk about that give you hope so like well that you've got control over exactly so so just yeah that's like a side comment potentially not related to say owner but like you know quite often when you have people talk about pulling those two levers is actually a geology issue as well you can't say that though mm. <laughs> uh back to say owner um <laughs> The, the, like, so in RB Energy's case, right, I'll flash the announcement up. You can see their um, highlighted production through the processing plan is now focused on improving recoveries and increasing volumes towards achieving commercial production levels. A month after that, RB Energy hired SGS to conduct an independent technical review which highlight, highlighted no fatal flaws. Side comment on this one. I do not understand how a technical review can be independent when the company is paying your bill. Just my two cents. So pretty much every report is never independent. In every everyone that's like an independent technical um, report, if it's commissioned by a third party, like a financier, and they're trying to figure out whether or not to invest in it, that's independent. That's independent. But yeah. if it's commissioned by the company who own the assets that they're writing on, that is, in my opinion, not independent. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Uh, so, so that's that's a side point. A month after that, um, it was put on care and maintenance, and ultimately ended up in receivership. Back then, this was 2014. Investors, like I'm looking at this say owner announcement today, and investors they're still waiting on two deliverables that have been promised for a long time. One, they talk about this board renewal still being ongoing, so they're still searching for an independent chairperson and an additional independent director. I, I, I don't think in my head that there's too much shortage of people who are looking for non-exec directorships out there. There's plenty of people want them, right? I know, um, I know someone. Yeah. Sayana, give us a buzz. <laughs> <laughs> but like there's, there is like, so, so think about it, right? Because there's heaps of people want that sort of stuff um, and plenty of credible people want, want more non-exec directorships. So like when it takes you quite a long time to plug these kinds of roles and they've been talking about, you know, wanting to add more independent directors for a long time. Um, when it takes you so long to plug them, like what does that actually say? You got to ask the question: Why? Why aren't credible people jumping for the opportunity to join as a non-exec director um, at the company? The other one is um, that they've talked about for a long time: is a deliverable is, is getting an, an offtake partner because they've got fifty percent of, well, up to fifty percent of their the supplier that's not contracted. 
I always kind of talked about new off-take partner, new off-take partner, and, and nothing ever happens, but there's always talks are still ongoing. Um, and so, like, you know, I feel like it's one of those things that sort of dangled to shareholders forever and, and, and hasn't happened. And again, like, you know, the question I have is why? Um, just like bringing it back to big picture, though, I would say, I know. Like, let's just talk about the stuff that actually matters here. It's a project that has a reputation and history of being incredibly challenging. Um, they have an offtake agreement with Piedmont that sees Piedmont, and I'm going to use Anthony Kavanagh's words here, that sees Piedmont extract all the economic rent from the NAL project. There's no guidance um, in the latest updates on timelines for the potential development of Moblin. Um, key exec jump ship at the most critical point for the company free to do whatever they want with the shares that they own without disclosure requirements. Um, and, you know, getting independent directors um, to come on board the company seems to be a challenge just based on the amount of times it's been talked about, but lack of um, lack of, lack of of filling those positions to the point where they feel full. Right, uh, Joe, so we're utilising your um – Presence today for a bit of rapid fire. Bit of rapid fire. So not time we no we don't do too much internal rapid fire. I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> so this was one from actually uh, earlier in the week. So Orcorp ticker O R R. So we had the Tanzanian Fair Competition Commission approve or- the Orcorp and Silvercorp uh, merged transaction. So just a reminder for the money miners, Orcorp has the Nianzaga gold project in Tanzania. And in August earlier this year, they signed a binding scheme implementation date with Silvercorp where they would be acquiring Orcorp at around 60 Aussie cents per share, a combination of cash and shares at about a 30 to 40% premium to various prices. So the scheme booklet was um, dispatched yesterday, scheme meetings on the 8th of December and independent expert BDOs given it the transaction the okay, saying it's all fair and reasonable. Um, and that, that Tanzanian uh, government approval is the only government type approval that's required now. It's really just the, the scheme and the, the shareholder meeting and it's all be done and dusted by Christmas. So well done, Orcorp. But I think that's um, – oh, no, they did have a bit of a – I think long term they uh it didn't didn't really live up to investor expectations, did it? Over the long term. They were up near ninety, eighty cents. So, yeah, yeah. it certainly has come off a little bit, but I think probably net net good outcome f- for shareholders there. But yeah, it certainly has come off from its from its bigger highs. And then something cost gold, Trav. Mate, yeah, I, I saw this one pop up, Maddie. I know it's in your wheelhouse, but um today Southern Cross Gold Came out 20 metres at 62.7 grams per tonne two weeks ago. They had that uh, 331 metre at 6.8 grams per tonne hit. Victorian Goldfield story, everyone wants to be the next Fosterville, mm. right? And um, you took a look at the Your Body a few weeks ago. What were your thoughts? Yeah, well, it's, go- it's gold and antimony. So it's a it's like a constant, like a concentrate jobby, similar to what we talked about with uh, Calidus's blue spec. So oh, yeah. it'd be like... Goldore bars coming out of a gravity, and then you'd have a gold antimony rich concentrate selling. But um, yeah, look like three hundred thirty one meters at six point eight grams. It's not one thick bloody continuous unit. It looks very like n- numerous, numerous lenses. Um, which yeah, but look if if the grades there, it just depends on getting a better understanding of the ore body. It's one of those. What do you, what do you see it as? It's like you can you can talk about the practicalities of mining it. That 
is not the investment case right now. The investment case is re- resource definition and, and things like that. So it's all, you can talk about how hard it's going to be to mine it, but that's a problem five, could be bloody five or ten years away in Victoria. Who who <laughs> knows? So you can really oh, – oh, my natural tendency is to get into the weeds of, oh, the stopes will be like this, yada, yada, mm. but it's not today's problem really. No. So – but it's – um yeah, it's definitely getting a lot of – um a lot of attention, so we had one of them. Yeah, but when it's it's just yeah that that hit looks great, but it's not not a three hundred and thirty one continuous unit that you can bloody block cave. It's all you hit a few, few nuggety bits along the way. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, and it depends how it depends how I'll bring up a cross section of it. So it's depends how close they are. Like if they're like say ten or fifteen meters away, the veins like ten meters probably, you can mine them independently because yes. you can. It's all to do with the pillar between the excavations, whereas if they're if it's two veins bloody five metres away... You have to bulk it. You have to take it as one, which will yeah. well like half or quarter your grade. Mm. Um, so, yeah. But yeah, but obviously if it's saying that it's that over that distance, obviously those lenses are Full very, of a lot of very, very high-grade yeah. lenses. And even though the antimony is a problem because you can't... Um, doesn't It locks up. The gold, gold and it's yeah. not doesn't respond to uh, cyanide leaching treatment, but you do get the kicker from the antimony and the concentrate. So, it, thumb suck sort of works out the same, I think. And that, that, that drill yeah. core would be bloody worth a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'd be awesome. That's a bloody. That's a good idea. Maybe <laughs> should go. Yeah. Uh, one of the money don't mine- steal drill core uh, or anyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's illegal. <laughs> One of the money miners mentioned this stuck to us when we were in the pub the other week on a Friday. Arvo came up to us and like, "Oh, what do you think of this one?" Um, and I think one thing that they hadn't picked up on straight away was that the um, the market cap on Comsec is not the the um, appropriate market cap to use when you when you're thinking about the company because they've got a bunch of escrowed shares that aren't yet quoted. When you add them in, it's about 180 million dollar market cap at the moment. Yeah, and they, I think they've only got is it forty or fifty percent of the deposit. The other fifty percent of the actual deposits owned by a TSX listed company. Southern Cross doesn't own the full, the full deposit. Thing. Yeah, yeah. They own half of it. So it's. I think it's a. Eventually, it'll be a like whether it's a JV or a merger between those two companies. Yeah, very good. And one I threw in there. I have no idea. I had no idea who this company was until this morning. Impact Minerals IPT on the ASX, they released their scoping study on the Lake Hope High Purity Illumina project in WA. And I think I only got as far as page two because (laughs) (laughs) I just had to laugh. Is Trev, do you think, I will throw the the screen grab up (laughs) on, is this the new robust? (laughs) So I'll read the headline. Outstanding economics show Lake Hope to potentially be the lowest cost producer of high purity Illumina globally by up to 50%. Impact Minerals is pleased to announce the positive results of a scoping study based on realistic production and capital expenditure estimates. Oh, I like it. Realistic. I, I really like they're just I think they're really the honing in that it's bloody I, I, I think they're fans of the show. They must I, be. I think everyone is figuring out how to word <laughs> announcements so they don't get a uh, or mention. Or they're getting a lot of guidance from ASX to not be so superlative and they're just adding a lot of doubt into the um, Sens- forecasts. Sensationalised. It gives you, gives you some word. defensibility. Yeah, because Impact, Impact <laughs> had the – I think that it was for their copper ex- exploration in New South Wales. They got the exploration grant from BHP yeah, a that's year right. or so ago. 
And so that, that was the only reason I knew about them, yeah. And then I thought, oh, geez, if that's how they're starting, surely there might be some good stuff on the second page. So in the scoping study highlights, we've got a few bits highlighted there. But my favourite sentence is, this scoping study indicates that as far as impact can ascertain for published data, the Lake Hope project could be one of, if not the lowest cost producer of HBA globally, <laughs> possibly by a significant margin of up to 50%. There's a lot of doubt in these um, sentences, isn't there, Ali? I feel like, like they're a bit scared to say, like, I'm, I'm not sure how to interpret it, but I thought this is just, yeah, I thought I had to chuck it in the rapid fire. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> just just keep typing words and something that it'll look Hope flash. for the best, yeah. Yeah, it was all good until there was podcasts that actually highlighted. <laughs> yeah. Took screenshots and highlighted them. There, beauty. Thanks very much, Ali, for uh, joining us on this side of the desk, mate. It's always great to have oh, you on. Pleasure, pleasure. Brilliant. Loved it. And uh, it just doesn't it add a dynamic, Trav. <laughs> but I love it. I love it. I love it. Actually, it makes us, buddy, feel smarter. It looks smarter. That's for sure. Or look dumber? No, feel dumber, look smarter. <laughs> yeah, makes us feel Something dumber, like that. And look smarter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ah, beauty. Yeah. Righto, money models. That'll do. Thanks to all the uh, thanks to all the partners. I'm going to do them the other way today to mix Ooh. it up. Future Proof Consulting, Brooks Airways at the top of the show. McMahon Mining Title Services, MMTS, KCA Site Services, Smack Power and Technology, K Drill, JP Search, Anytime Exploration Services, and of course Terra Capital. <laughs> I like doing it in that voice. <laughs> <laughs> right, hey, money miners. Who to root? Any any administrative announcements? I don't think so. I think we, you guys covered oh, it all earlier this got, week. No, we've got no hats left. There's no tickets left. Um, Everything's sold out, gone. Oh, we're it. on cameo. We're on cameo. You guys oh. did your first cameo yesterday. That we was did super first, impressive. We did our first cameo. It was bloody great. It's okay, great. Trev. It's okay, Trev. You don't have to go and have a shower. But um, as, as I said, Money Miners, there is special demand for JD to do solo ones for 150 bucks if you do Keep harassing day. him in his DMs great, to do one. Great for Christmas presents. He loves it. Right, <laughs> Money Miners, who to root? Who to root? The information contained in this episode of Money of Mine is of general nature only and does not take into account the objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular person. Before making any investment decision, you should consult with your financial advisor and consider how appropriate the advice is to your objectives, financial situation and needs.